You are listening to audio from Hyde Park Baptist Church in Lumberton, North Carolina. You can join us each Sunday morning at 1045 Eastern Standard Time at hydepark.online.church. Good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. We welcome all, whether they're viewing or whether they're here this morning. Uh, no, my name is not Jeff Blackman. My name is Robert Lawson. I'm actually one of the elders here. You probably haven't seen a lot of me. I've been speaking at different churches around here in the county in different places. I do miss my church family when I'm not here because I feel loved and appreciated while I'm here. Uh, but there again, God's duty calls, right? So we must be about God's business, right? Not about what we think is what we need to be doing, but about what God wants us to be doing. So this morning I will be filling in for Jeff uh, in the book of Revelations. I would have much rather he would have been in Philippians or Ephesians or Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But Revelations is it's tough. Uh, when you start looking at Revelations and you start thinking about what God's got to say, tell us and what he's got to say to us uh, all the way from the very beginning of his book in Genesis, to the very end. That's why he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And he's all in between as well. He's the one that fills us in. He's the one that takes care of us. Uh, as we look at this and think about God's word and what he has to say to us, if you'll go back, if any of you's read, I trust you've read chapter 17 and put some time into it. But uh, for me, as I look at this and I try to Piece it together, if you will. Piece the Word of God together to where it fits in. That not only do I read the Word of God, but that I'm allowed to apply it to my life. Because without application, it's just words, right? We've got to apply it. We've got to live it. We've got to work. We've got to be serving God no matter what or what we're facing. And any problem so far that I've had has been answered through God's Word. You know, the biggest thing for me is I'm not alone. You know, my wife has asked me numerous times, how do you go to different churches and different places and preach the Word of God? Well, because I know He's with me. He said He'd never leave me nor forsake me, right? He ain't going to put nothing on me I can't bear, okay? Number one, He gave me a mouth, and y'all know, most of you know I love to talk. I work by myself, so I get to hear my own self talk. So I'm used to it. But y'all getting a treat this morning. Y'all get to hear me. But it is good to be here. I do thank Jeff for this opportunity. Even though I did draw the low straw in doing revelations, uh, I feel like it is a book that we need to understand and the book that we need to read. In doing this, I want to go back and just give you a little history on what, what's leading up to where we're at today. If you'll go back... And think about this. Just think about this now as we're looking at uh, uh, chapter 17. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. In the garden, okay, God created man and woman, did he not? He created them in the likeness of him. He created them for the purpose of being with them, did he not? Okay, now think about this. He put them in a pure, okay, a pure bride, in a pure garden without sin. And we've went from that pure bride in that pure garden 
to a harlot in a wilderness today. This is the world that we're living in today. This is the world that we're being faced with today and what we're looking at and how things are going, but we don't want to admit the reason why. That's a little bit where the rubber meets the road because the reason why points back to us, okay? You say, wait a minute, Brother Robert, you talking, it's a little harsh, ain't it? Well, just ask yourself this question. When you were saved and God recreated this body to make it new, okay, and complete to the point that we would follow him down a straight and narrow road, okay? Is that what we're doing? Or do we sometimes get distracted to our own needs and our own wants that we slide away from God sometimes and then slide back in when we feel like things are comfortable again with him? That's not what God wants. God wants you to be completely sold out, 100% committed to him. He wants to be your main focus. Today, as we look at this right here and we think about the word harlot and we think about the word idols and we think about the word sin and we see how easy it is to get distracted along those lines. That's not what God intended. That's not the completeness that he wants out of us, okay? That's not the agreement that I made with him. The agreement I made for him was to follow him, to be a believer of his. This is what we're talking about here. As we look at this harlot in, in, in this chapter 17 and we think about the things, the progression that's going to be made in the end of times, in the early years of the seven years of desolation of all that's going to take place, our job today as believers in Jesus Christ is to preach and teach the gospel no matter where we are because we don't want nobody going and dying and ending up in this time right here. When the rapture takes place, do you want to go home? I do. I want to go home. I want to know that I know that I know that my name's written in the book of life. That should be our goal. We should strive to glorify and lift God up for who he is. His son holds the, the, the death, hell, and the grave. The keys to it are in his hands today. Is that the one you believed in when you became one of his? Today, you may be lost. You may not know him. You may be broken. You may be headed down the road that leads to destruction. But it could all change today. It could all change here. It could all change now. All because of what he did on a cross many years ago. We've got to understand as we look at chapter 17, we need to understand that Satan has used and will continue to use religion as a means of separating people. Can you believe Satan would do that? Use religion to separate people? That's hard to believe, is it not? Religion's supposed to be a good thing, right? No. I don't want you to get misled by religion, okay? It's a relationship. A lot of people know about who Jesus is. 
but they don't have that relationship with him. That one-on-one -on -one bonding time that it takes to grow closer and understand who he is and what he has for you. That's a relationship. People ask me, what church do you belong to? I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ, folks. I don't belong to Hyde Park Baptist Church. Don't belong to Baltimore Church. Don't belong to Broad Ridge Church. I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ. I want him to be the one that I seek after every morning when I get up. First thing. He deserves to be first. He's going to be first. And if you look at the Word of God, and as we read this right here and think about this and talk about this a little bit this morning, you're going to see that he's going to be first because that's what he said. Chapter 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, and having a golden cup in her hand, full of admonition and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her, upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, abomination of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of martyrs and of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carried her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. And the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here's the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, one is and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive ye power as kings, one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And they that are called, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Father God, we come to you this morning. God, thanking you again for just another beautiful day we have, Lord, that we can gather together. Lord, as saints, Lord, as believers, one of yours. Lord, this morning as we come to you, God, we just pray that our hearts be open, that our minds be clear. God, that we would leave any distractions that we may have on the outside. God, that we could focus solely on you this morning. God, that we could give it our all. God, as we read your word and we think about what it means and we think about ways to apply it to our lives in a way that would be sufficient and glorified to your kingdom, God, this morning we need to understand who you are, what you are. God, that you're omnipotent, you're omnipresent. God, that you do everything for us. You hold everything in your hands. And God, we need to understand that we need to stay focused on what you have for us to do as being children of God. 
This morning, Lord, as we come to you, Lord, just hide me behind the cross. Lord, let me speak the words that your Holy Spirit would have. Lord, let it move as only it can. And God, we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory for it all. For it's in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning as we look at verse, uh, chapter 17 and we get to thinking about what the Bible's talking about here and you start looking at uh, a one world religion, if you want to call it that. Uh, today, uh, what we have going on in the world today is getting pretty close to it is what I imagine, okay? As I look at things and you go back and read the Bible and you go back and read uh, 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy or where Paul's writing about the end of times and the apostates and all these things coming to pass and you start looking at the direction the world's headed in today and what's going on in the world today, it, 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 it starts becoming pretty clear if you read and study your Bible enough that we're at the threshold of eternity, okay? It could happen any day. The question is, are you looking to that eastern sky every morning when you get up for Jesus Christ to come today? If today would be the day, would you be ready? If he broke that eastern sky today to take his church home, raptures up, would you be ready? And if not, why not? Is there something to keep you here? Is there something that, 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 that's, that's distracting you? Because this is what it's coming down to here when we start trying to realize and figuring out how we're going to expose this one world religion that's going to take place during this seven years of tribulation, end of time stuff, you know? You say, well, Robert, I hope I'm not here. Well, I hope you're not too. But I don't hope you need to know you're not going to be here. How about that? Wouldn't that be great? I want to know that I'm not going to be here during this time. I want to know that I'm going to be raptured home. We need to understand the religious system and how it will be set up. We also need to know we ought to be able to spot it. We need to be able to identify it. And we need to be able to speak against it. And the only way we can do that is what? Read the Bible, right? If you're going to speak against this one world religion, then you've got to know how to do it. And that comes through and by God, not by us. It comes by him. Am I trusting in him? Is my faith in him? Am I following him? Because if I'm not, then I'm going to struggle. I'm going to struggle. So as we look at this thing, first point I want to point out is in verses 5 and 6 where it talks about the name of the woman. Okay? The name of the woman is pretty clear, is it not? Harlot, moral corruption, power, pollution, persecution, wealth, anything to do with sin, anything to do with destructiveness, anything to do with deceitfulness, guess what? That's her name. And if it's written on the forehead, sure to be easy to spot, hasn't you? You think about it. If it's on the forehead, it's easy to spot. Lord, look at that. What in the world? Who in the world would do that to themselves? Well, you as a believer today, I'm talking to believers this morning, okay? You as believers today, think about this here. When you do something that's sinful and another believer sees it, what do you think is going through their mind? Lord, look at that. What in the world? Is that not the same thing we just said about her? She was easy to spot, was she not? Sin is easy to spot to a believer, folks, because anything that goes against what God's Word says here is sin, is it not? If you go back and read the Bible in the Old Testament, God said, thy 
shalt not. Thy shalt not. And he said it over and over and over again. And mankind kept doing what? Exactly what they wanted to. Disobeying thy shalt not. Do you think he meant what he said? Go back to this garden I was talking about here where the pure bride was in the lovely garden. Think about it. When God said, thou shalt not eat of the tree, did he not? Thou shalt not. Ain't that what he said? Thou shalt not. And Satan deceived him, did he not? There again, the harlot deceived him. Satan deceived him. Well, did God just go up and say, well, I understand. You know, it was fruit. Come on, man. It was something to eat. Surely it can't be that bad. God said, thou shalt not. And they did. So was there a payment that had to be made? Was there chastisement and judgment to be taking place? So are we any different today? Absolutely not. And we wonder why the world's in the shape it's in. We wonder why we're going down the road we're going down. Because we're not doing what God says. Like I said, most of the problem in the world today, when you point a finger that way, I got three pointing back at old Rob here. Because it's our fault. Are we doing what we need to do? Are we standing up for the man that we said we'd stand for? Are, are we ashamed of him? Do we turn our back on him? Do we want to just step out? Like I said, put on that Christian costume when I'm in church on Sunday. But when I get out of church, I can take it off. That's, that, that's doable, right? No. That's not the way we should be living. That's not the way we should be living because this is what the harlot would do. This is what the woman would do. The true identity of the woman is written on her head for all to see. She's not hard to spot. We must understand what she is and what she does for a living. She deceives. Sin deceives. There's pleasure in what? Sin for a season. So that tells me what? That once sin gets through with me, gets through deceiving me, guess what happens? It discards me. It gets rid of me. The same thing happens to the woman, does it not? She's killed and eaten. The same thing. The religious system was set in motion here. What they're talking about here, the religious system was set in motion in Babylon and has continued to this very day, one form or another, throughout the whole world. If you go back and look in the Old Testament, different sermon, but I'll, I'll give you a few pointers on it. At the Tower of Babel, man tried to build a tower out of rebellion. Okay? The Lord scattered humanity by families throughout the earth. The Lord done this. Mankind didn't do it. The Lord done it. These tribes took with them religious system established in Babylon. All religions have similarities because they have a similar origin. Babylon. Okay? All sin have similar origins because they originated from the same place. Okay? We already know what that was, don't we? Don't we know what that is? Idolatry? Okay, is that not what they tried to get the Hebrew children when they were captured and carried over there? What did they try to get them to do? Nebuchadnezzar had them to make up this pretty nice gold piece, did he not? And he said, every time the band plays, guess what you're going to do? You're going to bow down to this gold piece. 
You're going to bow down to this idol. Old king will not bow, brother. It's not going to happen. He said, well, I've changed your names. I've changed your clothes. I've changed where you live. And he said, but you can't change who I worship. I worship the true and living God. And he'll take care of me. He says, the woman represents the entire religious system which, which seeks to control us. The woman represents the entire religious system which seeks to control us. Can you imagine that today? Who do we look at today as trying to control the religious system? For me, it's the government. I don't know about y'all, but that's who I look at. It seems like they're doing everything they can to kill the religious movement, the Christian movement, okay? Anything that has to do with it, prayer out of school, just comes the first to my mind. We took prayer out of school. Now what we got in school? We got guns, killings, captures. We got everything that we never thought we'd see right in front of us today, folks. We take the Ten Commandments out of court. Criminals do basically what they want to. They dictate where and when they want to do whatever they want to do. But who put them in charge? We did. We put them there. And as you read this right here and you see things being fulfilled that God has said from the very beginning, his plan would be fulfilled. There again, I am the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. It's going to continue. I've got a plan, and it's being fulfilled. Okay? Now the question is, how long do we let it go on? You say, well, God's plan is going to be finished. Yes, it is. But God's got a plan for you if you're still breathing. You're serving him. Do you want your next door neighbor to die and go to hell? Do you want your next door neighbor to go through what is fixing to happen right here? If not, we need to be about our business, do we not? That's sharing the gospel. Jesus Christ, 12 years old, parents looking for him. I must be about my father's business, right? Think about this here. How old was he when he died? How old was your savior when they crucified him? Was he 100? Was he 50? Today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. I just told you. He holds everything in his hand, and that includes the breath that you breathe. Anything you've got, he owns. You've got to understand that. You've got to understand that and believe that. The false system, we know that this is a false statement where I said the woman represents the entire religious system which seeks to control us. This is a false statement because God has the only religious system we follow and that is the one, the true, and the only, his son, Jesus Christ. That's the religious system I follow. Not Hyde Park Church, not Jeff Blackburn, not Broad Ridge, but Jesus Christ himself, that's it. You know, I don't have to make none of y'all happy, okay? You can like me, love me, hate me, Whatever you want to do after this is over, but I got one person I've got to please, okay? That's God. I'm living for Him and enjoying it, okay? It's not a burden, it's a joy and a pleasure to live for Him because He gives me everything I need. Everything I need, no matter where I am. You got to understand that the woman represents all that is corrupt. 
The world has believed their lies, and now we see the results of the world falling apart. We see the world falling, following her and falling apart because we believe the lies that she has presented before us, and now it's falling apart. That's the same thing with our world, with our, with our schools, with our government. We fell for it, we fell for it, we followed it, we followed it, and it's all been a bunch of lies from the very beginning, folks. That's the application of, this, the, uh, of the things that we're looking at. The world has believed her lies, and now the receipts, results are following her. Verse 6, it says this in verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs. Who are we talking about here? When you start talking about the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs, who are we talking about? The blood of the saints are who? The prophets, were they not? The ones who were following him, uh, teaching back then, telling them, look, you need to repent. You need to turn away because you're going the wrong direction. You need to be following God, not getting away from him. And what did they do? They killed him. Did they not? The martyrs were the followers, okay? Think about this here. They killed them. They killed the prophets. They killed the followers. Both, both groups were and are killed by this religion that operates in opposition of God. John was amazed because up until now, he had not only put this together. Can you believe John wasn't able to put this together? Now, you know which John we're talking about, right? This is the John that's writing this, right? Think about it. Was John there at the, uh, at the mountain of transfiguration when Jesus went up? He was there, was he not? He saw that. Was John not the one that was with him when he healed all of those people that he healed? Was John not with him when he fed the 5,000 with a few fish and some loaves of bread? Was John not there when he raised Lazarus from the dead? Was John not there when Jesus was crucified and hung on the cross and died for the world? Was John one of the ones that saw him after he was resurrected? But yet, this amazed John. He wasn't sure what was going on. He was not able to put this together of what taking place right here. And he walked with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He served with him. Think about that now. In the morning. It says, this woman has been working on and destroying what belongs to God. She's working on and destroying what belongs to God. You as believers this morning belong to God, do you not? Has sin left you alone? If he has, I'd love to talk to you after service to, so you can tell me how you, do, how you do it. Because it's a constant battle with me. But this is what she's here to do. During this time, she's going to have a little help even from God himself. As we get further along and you start talking about the kings and the kingdoms and stuff, you're going to see that God gives their mind over to this beast so that it can be controlled by them so that this one world religion can take place. And all of this within an hour. Can you believe that? That's quick, ain't it? It's kind of quick. But there again, in the end, I done told you that what the difference is going to be there in 14. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but that's, 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 that's the difference of what's going to happen. 
But there again, it all goes back to what started in Genesis chapter 3. And now we see the destruction it has caused up until this time. Now that's a lot of years, is it not? Think about Genesis 3 until today. And just look at where the world went from one little piece of fruit. One little piece of fruit. And look where we're at today. People are scared to walk out of their houses. People are scared to get in their cars and take a trip. People are scared to get out and knock on somebody's door and even tell them about Jesus because they don't know somebody's going to steal their car before they get back or shoot them before they get to the door. That's the world we live in today. That's come a long way. I'm 60 years old. And I can think back to when we look forward to seeing our neighbors. We look forward to going out in the yard and having a talk with them or carrying them a bushel of potatoes or some peas and beans or something. We look forward to that time. Now, people's got iron bars on their doors. We went from a garden of walking with God into a pure wilderness, folks. And you telling me we don't need a Savior? There's something wrong. Something wrong. Point to the origin of the woman, verses 7 and 8 tells us this. Is this if an angel is asking John, why are you so impressed with this woman? Many times we are impressed with the works of this world. Do you get impressed with what's going on in the world today? Like I said, I'm 60. I've seen a lot of things. I haven't seen a lot of many as most, but in the first service, because they had seen a lot more than I have. But anyway, I have, I've seen a lot too. You know? I was telling them in first service, we got, you got cell phones. Okay? To me, that's amazing. What they can do with a cell phone today is amazing. You can do about anything with it, right? Anything. It's, it's just unreal. You, you, you just sit back. Somebody with my mindset, a little 12th grade education, a little country boy, don't know nothing about a cell phone, could care less if it ever rings again. I'd love to take a 20-ounce hammer and see if I could bust mine all to pieces, but that's a sermon for another day. But technology is supposed to be a wonderful thing, is it not? For me, you want me to tell you what I see? It's made us lazy. I know I've lost a lot of his attention right now, and that's fine. Okay, that's fine with me. Because we depend on to do everything. We don't have to go cook no supper because we can order in. They'll deliver it to the house. I don't have to even go get it. I can call the grocery store and have them to pick what groceries I want and They'll get them and bring them out to the car for me. I mean, I, come on now. And then when I get in the car, it'll drive me there all by itself. Now, see, when I was growing up, and I learned how to drive, you had to put your hand at 10 and 2 now. You had to hold that wheel, baby. I don't know that I can make myself let it go today and let it drive itself. I don't know about y'all. And like I told him in the first service, I still don't know who Siri is and where she gets all her information from. But I'd love to know. Because everybody talks to her, right? That's amazing today. I'm not saying technology is not a wonderful thing, folks. But we can't let it distract us from what our focus should be on. Do they have an app on there to where you can share Jesus Christ with somebody? I don't see, I don't know. I don't know nothing about this stuff. TikTok, Facebook, book, whatever they call it, Twitter, Twitter, whatever it is. 
Robert don't know. Don't want to know. I feel like I got everything I need right there. Okay? Now, I do wear glasses, so my sight is going bad, so I'm trying to learn all I can so that I'll have it in my heart. Okay? Maybe I'll ask Siri one day. Who knows? Maybe I'll have to. Maybe there won't even be churches no more. I don't know. You don't know what it's coming to. I did like to watch the Jetsons as a young boy. But the things of this world, we're impressed by them so easily. But I want you to understand this. Anything that removes our attention from the Lord is something that Satan can use to distract us. Anything. You hear what I said? Not certain things. That's anything, gang. That could be my golf clubs. That could be your boat. That could be your children. That could be anything. Your cell phone, your computer. It could be anything, anything. You hear what I'm telling you? Anything that removes our attention, okay? Anything that removes our attention from the Lord is something Satan can use to distract us. And you say, wait a minute, I, I don't use it that much. I just play golf three times a week. That's not much, is it? It's seven days in a week. Are you getting any better? Well, I think so. <laughs> but we can't let those things distract us. We've got to stay focused. There again, once I became a believer in Jesus Christ, okay, I gave up a lot of things. I don't know about you. I don't know how many believers we have this morning. We have some people who are lost. But once you become a believer, you have to give away. You turn your back on them. You turn away from them. You repent from them, and you become anew. You become one of his, and he makes you into what he wants you to be. And in doing that, he gives you a will for your life to live and walk according to the way he wants you to walk. But there again lies the problem. We want to walk the way we want to walk. There again, it's not total submission. You know, the old hymn books, I know we don't have hymn books anymore. Not that I'm against that, but I preach at some churches that still do. I surrender all. I don't know how many of you know that song. I surrender all. People saying that in churches throughout the world, but do they mean what they're singing? I surrender all. All to him. I surrender all. Do you mean that when you sing it? That's another thing we've got to worry about. It says here, John is marveling at the woman and the angel tells him not to marvel. It would be easy not to marvel at this woman, would it not? If you went out into the wilderness and an angel showed you something that looked like this and was dressed like this, like this woman is, would you not be amazed? I'd be scared to death. But I'd be amazed. Would it be easy to follow? Well, I want to see where she goes, what she does. So we start following after her. And before long, we've been sucked in, haven't we? The angel tells John, says she is no big deal, and that honestly, he should not be impressed with her. The inhabitants of the earth will marvel at the beast. They will stand in awe of the Antichrist and be amazed at everything he does. Why? Because he does things in the name of God. Okay? That God is filled with a little G. Not the big G, but the little G. Because in Babylon, they had many gods. 
They didn't worship the true and living God as we do. They worship many gods. And the Antichrist is going to be over all of these during this time. And they must follow. Why must they? Why should they follow? Why must they follow? Because if they don't, guess what's going to happen? TKO, baby. They're going to die. There'll not be no more. That'll be the choice. Same way we have today. You're either following Satan or you're following the Lord. You understand? There, you're going to either follow Satan or you're going to die. Okay? Right now, as you're living here, as you're sitting here this morning and breathing, you have a choice, don't you? Here, the choice will be made for you. You'll either accept the mark, follow, or you'll reject it and die. One or the other. It says, anyone who makes a conscious decision to not follow Jesus belongs to Satan. This thing right here is going to aggravate me to death. I'm one of those preachers that like to move around. I'm sorry. I can't be still, so this is going to happen. But anyway, we're going to get through it no matter what. Also, it talks about the book of life. Uh, talks a little bit, verse 7 and 8, talks about the book of life. It's mentioned here. It's mentioned seven times in Revelation. What is the book of life? This is the names of the righteous, the redeemed, or the saved. This is where I want my name to be, right? Is this not where you want your name to be in the book of life? Absolutely. Okay? And it says here in Revelation 20 and 15 says this, why do I want my name in the book of life? Because anyone whose name is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Have you ever thought about the three Hebrew children that were, that were taken in captivity and were cast into the fiery furnace? And you read that there where they heated that thing up. It was seven times hotter so that when they throw them in, the guards who throw them in even died themselves and they didn't even go in. But the three Hebrew children were cast in and Nebuchadnezzar looked down and what did he say? Lo, we throw three in, but yet I see four and one looks like the son of God. Remember that story there? Well, when you start talking about the lake of fire, guess what? I picture it like that. But the only thing is, you don't burn up. It's just a constant pain. It's just, it's just a constant burning, a never-ending, eternal burning where you say, well, when your name's written in the Lamb's book of life and you're one of his, guess where you're going to be? You're going to be in glory, are you not? It says the rich man lifted up his eyes and seen the, uh, Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, did he not? And he said, let me come to where you at, or you come to where I'm at, or at least just come and bring me a drip of water and put on my tongue because I'm burning up. He said, there's a chasm between us. I can't come to where you are, and you can't come to where I am. You're there to stay. Guess what? I'm here to stay. Okay? I want to be in Abraham's bosom. You know what I mean? I want to be on that side, do you not? I don't want to be cast into the lake of fire. These are the two choices that they'll have. These are the choices that we make today. When we're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, this is what we need to make people understand. You have a choice. You have a choice. But right now, you're either living for Satan or you're living for Christ. It's just that simple. Point three, verses nine through 11 tells us this. They talk about the seven heads. It says there, it says, those who have wisdom on a spiritual level must understand this. It says in verse nine, it says, and here is the mind which hath wisdom. What is he talking about there? 
I don't believe John's talking about the average Sunday-only Christian here to you. I think he's talking about somebody that goes a little bit deeper than just being here on Sundays. This is somebody that spends time in the Word of God, that goes and enjoys a small group somewhere, that comes back on Wednesday nights, that's in a Bible study somewhere. But most of all, they're in their Bible on a daily basis, reading God's Word, praying over God's Word. And if we're doing that, guess what will happen? You'll put it to work. You'll become a servant. You'll become one of his. You say, oh, no, I don't want that. i got enough to do now. But is it what God wants you to do? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. Is it what God wants me to do? It says, this is for those who seek after God's word to understand and be changed. Do you read God's word to be changed? Or you just read it because that's what you're supposed to do? God's word should mold and make you. You understand? That's, you're, you're the, he's the potter. You're the clay. He's molding you on a daily basis. By how? By how much time do you spend with him? How much time do you spend in his word? What are you giving him to work with? God's word. Understand. Be changed. The next few verses apply directly to those who would seek to know more. They get beyond the text on the black and white paper. Black and white paper being this right here. Get beyond that. How does this apply to my life? How do I use it to become one of his? I'm when I say one of his, I'm talking about straight is the way, narrow is the gate. Jeff talked about that a couple of weeks ago, did he not? Are you on that straight and narrow path? Or are you over there in that five-lane highway passing everybody? Because I don't have the patience to stay in this lane. He says, if you understand this enough to apply these words and being a casual Christian is not going to cut it. We have to study and learn more in order to teach more. The angel is about to describe the meaning of the seven heads, which have two different meanings. As we get into the seven heads, I might get through with this today. A mountain is symbolic with a seat of power. We are told the woman sits on these seven mountains, but why is she sitting? She's got control. In short, she is sitting in domination of these seven kingdoms. Second, the seven heads represent seven kings. In verses uh, in Daniel chapter seven, we talks about the four kings that was uh, the four kingdoms, and before Daniel's time, there was two kingdoms, right? So in verses in Daniel seventeen sixteen through seventeen, it says this: I came near to one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me known to the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. These four kingdoms are so. If Jeb gives you a test after he gets through with Revelations, this is what you need to tell him. Okay? The four kingdoms are Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Most of you already know that because y'all Bible scholars. The two kingdoms that dominated Israel were Egypt and Assyria before Daniel. Okay? Before Daniel chapter 7, there was two kingdoms that, that dominated, and they were Egypt and Assyria. So, as we look at this and think about this, it goes all the way back into Revelation chapter 12. Okay, and Daniel chapter 7, if you want to go back and check my math on this. First was Egypt. They tried to assimilate Israel. Second was Assyria, exalted 10 tribes of Israel and tried to exile Judah. Third was Babylon. They destroyed Jerusalem and slaughtered Israel. The fourth was Persia. They attempted to destroy the Jews during the time of Esther. 
Five was Greece, Antichius, Epiphanes, Abomination of Desolation, 164 B.C. Six was Rome. They destroyed Jerusalem. They killed over one and a half million Jews, and they also killed one other person, which was our Savior, Jesus Christ, okay? And number seven is the revived kingdom, the future kingdom during the time of the Antichrist. So, keeping count, there again, this thing here is getting on my last nerve. So if you're keeping count, you've got four kingdoms, you've got two kingdoms, and you've got one kingdom, that equals seven kingdoms, right? Okay? So God's word is never confusing if we read what it said with spiritual wisdom. Now, verse 11 says, the other has not yet come. So we're looking at verse 7 and thinking about the eighth kingdom, which would be the Antichrist when he comes and sets up, which he has not done yet because he'll be living during that time, and that's when Christ will come back and take care of the Antichrist, cast him into the lake, cast him into a uh, thousand years and be tied up and all that good stuff, but this is going to happen then. So point four, twelve through 14 tells us this. The ten horns of the beast. The ten horns represent ten future kings responsible for turning over all their power and authority to Satan. How is that going to happen? How does a king turn over his power and authority to someone else? They don't, do they? A king wants to be in charge, don't he? I'm the king of my castle. Sharon's my slave. She lets me have the remote control when I want it. But no, kings at this time were known to be powerful. They wanted to have control, and as much as they could possibly get, no matter what, they wanted to be in control. Well, at this time, guess what God's going to do? God's going to allow their minds to be taken over by this beast, by this harlot, okay? Everything that's going on in the world will be dictated and taken care of by this one thing. Therefore, they're going to be powerful places, they're going to be powerful kingdoms, and they're going to be all working together to do what? Defeat the Lamb. So if you think about this and put it into perspective, you think about a lamb, pretty little lamb, nice and furry and cuddly, right? Going to war with a beast. So if you had to go to MGM or Vegas or wherever it's at that you do this betting thing that they got now that's on every channel, on your television set, who would you bet on? Would you bet on the lamb? Or would you bet on the beast? Well, me, knowing who the lamb is, guess what? That's the side I'm on. Now when I was lost and undone, without God or his son, guess which side I would have been on? The beast is going to take care of that, man. That just ain't no way. The beast is bigger, he's stronger, he's got more people, you know. You're talking about the lamb just coming out by itself. The saints are going to be behind him, but guess who's going to do all the fighting? The Lord himself. Well, it's just one against all them. He's going down, ain't he? Not. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I was here when it all started. And I'm going to be here when it all ends. Now, do you believe that? Do you trust in that? Do you have faith in that today? So as we look at these powers and these minds being given over, there's no understanding to who these nations are at this time. It would make sense to believe that these would be powerful nations since Satan is getting all their power. 
God grants this. Daniel 7, 24, 25 says this, the ten horns are ten kings who shall rise from this kingdom and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first one and he shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and times and a half. Now when you read that, and tie that in with Daniel chapter 7 and look at the world that we're living in today. Is that not what he's talking about? Are they not trying to change the times and the law and the things that are going on today? Not only for us, but for our children as well. A third grader is able to make his own mind up. Do you go for that? Do you believe that? That a third grader can decide whether he wants to be a tree or a male or a female? Can you go along with that today? Come on! It don't work. I can't go along with it, gang. Can you go along with abortions with the babies being killed? Can you go along with that? Can you go along with same-sex marriages? Can you go along with LGBTQ? Can you go along with them putting a flag out in your parking lot and saying, you better leave it there? I can't go along with it, folks. That's against everything that God says. It's abomination in the sight of God. And we've got to believe that. You've got to stand on that. You can't give in to it. The illustration I used this morning was... Uh, was, was your friend you hadn't seen in 20 years, maybe a college friend, maybe a neighbor or something, shows up with a bottle of wine at your doorstep, what do you do? Do you invite them in? Brother, you're more than welcome to come into my house, but your wine stays outside. I love you. Think the world of you. But I got to make a stand, don't I? Well, it's just going to be for a couple of hours. Come on, watch one bottle of wine for a couple of hours. Well, for my relationship with God, it's a long time. I want to uphold the witness that I have for him, okay? You don't want nothing to kill that. You don't want nothing to quench the spirit that, that lives with inside of you. You want to be strong. You want to be bold. Now, am I sacrificing a friend for that? Maybe. But if my children are watching and they're seeing me do the right thing, which is more important? Doing the right things is a lot more important than just having one small glass of wine. You say, well, that won't hurt me. Not many 12-packs as I used to drink in a day's time. You'd be surprised how much it hurts. You'd be surprised at how much it hurts. I know I got to land this plane. So as we look at what's going to take place, because of the allegiance that the nations of the world have pledged in the beast, the world will fall under this one religion, and Satan will demand worship from every living creature. Once the woman was convinced the world to give itself over to her ways, once this woman has convinced the world to give itself over to her ways, Satan, a.k.a. the beast, will no longer have use for her, and this is a very important lesson for this world today, that is you and I to learn. Satan uses the resources people have over religion of the world to exact one thing, to use them for his control over it. Once you are no longer useful to the beast, you will be discarded. You will be discarded. 
It says right now Satan is seeking to use you. He's seeking to take you from anything that he can utilize for a selfish reason, whereas God is seeking to use you for his glory. God wants you to use you for the upbuilding of his kingdom, not for the tearing down of his kingdom, which is Satan's sole desire and goal. It says the woman... The woman is an idol that the devil used to take our eyes off of God. Satan is not your friend, nor is he some kind of cool, misunderstood rebel. It says here, when this woman has outlived her usefulness, she will have her flesh eaten and burned. Mm. It says the irony is that God uses Satan to exact judgments on his own creations. The devil's use of religion is something that he's been trying to do since the beginning of time. And it is important to understand that our church is in the middle of that fight today. Our church, you hear what I said? Our church is in the middle of that fight today. We've got a fight on our hands, folks. So you're asking this question to me right now probably. How can you say that, Robert? How can you possibly say that we're in a fight today? Do you see around us where the devil has used excuses and nonsense to keep people from working or being involved in this church? Have you seen this happen here in this building? If you hadn't, you had blinders on. Excuses, I'm tired. It's not my job. Anything you can. I've worked at the last event. I have this or that to do. So many excuses we make when in reality we should be pushing and shoving to get to the top of the list to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That should be our sole goal, not to make up excuses about what we can and can't do or why we can or can't do it because we get caught up in self. And there again, we got things that we need to do. I need to go. I got a tea time at 2 o'clock today. I need to go ahead and wrap this up. That wouldn't be the right thing to do, would it? That not be, would not be obedient to what God's got me called for, would it? Absolutely not. But that's what happens a lot of times. It says, the woman is symbolic of everything that the devil has used against mankind. It says, personally, I think it's time to remove our glamour by exposing who she is. The Bible says the word harlot to describe her. I believe that's appropriate. And it says, our understanding of what she is trying to do is paramount. We have things to do today, and it's past time that we get involved and get on with it. I'll close with this. As we think back, those of us who are born-again believers today to the day that we were saved, that we proclaim Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, there was, I would just about guarantee a brokenness in us. There was something that we were searching for that we could not find, and someone introduced us to a man called Jesus, the one we sung about here this morning. There's something about that name that changes things for people. The void that we have in our hearts, that hole that we have in our souls when we're lost and we're trying to fill it with drugs and alcohol and pornography and anything else that this world will provide us with, that we try, we try on our own and it never seems to get filled. But then that name, Jesus, it just has a feeling effect to a lost person's soul when you start telling them that he loves you, he cares about you, and he wants you to be with him one day in heaven, that eternal home 
that you can now live in peace while you're here. Even though there's so much irony and stuff going on out there in the world, we can live in peace and joy and happiness and know exactly what those things mean because we serve the true and living God. There may be some here this morning that don't know him. There may be some here that do know him that's not on the path that he wants them on. That they need to look at their lives and re-examine it and say, God, search me and try me. Use me, Lord, I pray. And get me back to where he wants me to be. Because in the end, that's what we should all be about. Living for him so that we don't have to go through these awful judgments and times that God's got coming. Our Father in heaven, Lord, this morning as we come to you, God, I just thank you, God, for uh, your word. God, I thank you for the truth of it. I thank you for being able to understand some of it, God, to the point, God, that it fills my life, that it helps me to grow and get closer and closer and closer to you, God, as we seek those desires of our lives, Lord, that you would take them away, that they would not be pleasing, that they would not be amazing, that they would not be astonishing to the eye anymore. God, help us to put those blinders on that we could see that straight is the way and narrow is the gate. Lord, that we could enter in through that gate. That one day, that one day, Lord, that we would learn through your word that salvation is serious business. It's not something that we should take lightly and it's not something that we should be complacent about, but we should be serious about the acceptance that we made with your son the, the covenant that we made with you in being new creations in Christ. God, this morning, if there's one under the sound of my voice that don't know you, I pray that today would be the day. But Lord, if there's one here this morning that does know you, that their life is not where they want, that exactly where you want it to be, and they know it, Lord, may they come and confess it to you this morning and make things right with you so that they would have a clear path of where they need to be. God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I ask you to just watch over us and keep us in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Hyde Park Baptist Church, please check out our website, hydepark.church, or on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Hyde Park Baptist.